0: Something's wrong with my sound setup. I heard it. Yeah, it was coming. Did did
1: Rob come in? Did did the sound fairy come in and mess up your junk? (laughs) Yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis.
1: And this is Sister Christian.
0: Today is Thursday, October 8th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour. It's a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts. Christian, you're back in New York City, right?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank I, I'm
0: back. I'm back in Los Angeles, and we're exploring what it means to be a good producer as we come out of this global shutdown. And figure out how to get the film industry back to work. I mean, it seems like we're working, but, you know, we're still trying to navigate how to do it safely while still navigating the coronavirus.
1: I mean, we're definitely working, but it seems like everybody's got their own opinion on how we should be doing it. Because we find find Uh ourselves being asked to take on greater responsibilities from a variety of guidelines created by multiple sources. Now, more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas, and just what's happening out there on the jobs.
0: Right. So we need to hear from you to hear how you guys are keeping your crew safe, how you guys are getting back to work. So email us at ProducersHappyHour at gmail.com.
1: And please rate this show. Please like us. <laughs> we need your likes. It validates our existence. <laughs> um, please rate the show on Apple Podcast and share the show with your friends and colleagues, your you know, mother-in-law. We want these stories <laughs> to be heard.
0: Yeah, it helps the algorithms, helps people like you find the show. So today, Christian, we have part two of our interview with agency producer, Karen Jean. Hey, Miss KJ. Miss KJ. Last week, we talked about filming under COVID from an agency perspective mm-hmm. and what that means for them. And today, our chat steered towards systemic racism in our industry in advertising and commercial film industries. And that's what our interview was today. And it was, uh, it was great to listen to KJ and learn from her experience as a black woman in advertising
1: eye-opening it always is it was a great interview and I definitely learned things for sure yes
0: and that's what we all need to be doing right now is learning listening and learning yes so Christian you've been a busy beaver <laughs> Tell you're me about back it. <laughs> you're back from Texas you're back in New York and you've been working nonstop. stop how's it going how are you doing how are you holding in
1: you know now that I've got this many jobs under my belt I I can't it's just it it and I'm not complaining, it's just much harder than it used to be. Yeah. But um, I just had my first run in with a cost consultant.
0: Oh, how's that sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, so I
1: turned in <laughs> a budget that was that is meant to film in November mm-hmm. and came back with every single line number question, like literally every single line number questioned, mm. in addition to you know, just questioning all of the COVID costs. And listen, I know by this point. Cost consultants have been, you know, they've absolutely been clued in onto, you know, what this is and how much it costs and what it should be. I know I brought this up a couple months ago now that not only are you learning, you're teaching other people their job. And mm-hmm. then the next job, there's some people who haven't done it yet. So you're teaching so the next job. And it just feels like that is when is, <laughs> I'm not sure when that's going to end.
0: <laughs> right, Right.
1: I'm not sure if or when maybe never that that's going to end. And I think my patience level is wearing a little bit thin on having to justify safety. Yeah, Uh, I mean, it's starting to wear pretty thin and then, you know, (laughs) then as a woman, I, I hear things like, "Mm, you look tired. Maybe you should take a break. (laughs) Like, when do you you ever tell that to a male producer? I mean, seriously. And so I'm just like, I'm at the end of like, you're right. Sure. When you can do what I do. I'll take a yeah. break. So I'm a little um I'm happy to be back in New York, but I'm definitely a little um uh disenfranchised. Is that a word? Yeah, it
0: is. <laughs> I think
1: is that how I'm feeling, Lawrence? How are you doing? I think it is. I think it is.
0: <laughs> I mean, I definitely am as well. I've been fortunate enough to take a little break after the, my last project. Yeah, but your before... last one,
1: you jumped face first. Oh, right on. In. Yeah, it was like, a big one. It, was, like, it was a monster. Exactly.
0: It was a monster. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's some other possibilities of work coming up that seem fine. Um, mm-hmm. But disenfranchised, yeah, when the infection is swarming around the White House and there's talk about I laugh because it's funny. Yes. <laughs> Go on. I laugh so I don't cry. Exactly. The halts of negotiating some sort of relief oh, yeah. for people who are still out of work, still mm-hmm. unemployed, still can't put food on the table, still can't pay rent, and they Airlines just are kind closing. Of, yeah, it's just, man, that's what I find disenfranchising is the lack of care in government right now for what is happening to our industries and to us as people and citizens.
1: It's almost like it's governing by whim or emotion, yeah. which, you know, is, again, I'm going to tear today, Florence. Women are too emotional. They could never be president. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so getting political and we can, you know... When seeing last night's debate and seeing how calm cool, collected that Kamala Harris had to be the entire time yeah. so that she would never give off an appearance of, you to walk a line of never yeah. giving off an appearance of being emotional or hysterical or angry, yep. which is a, a title a label that is assigned to black women often. Yes, so seeing her swallow the crap she had to is just like, man.
0: Exactly, and it harkens and back to how... And the fly.
1: Uh, so, and it's, um, it's,
0: it's hard not to talk about these politics things because, you know... the It affects the, us this, directly. It affects us directly in terms of how much work is out there since both you and I work primarily in commercial filmmaking and, advertising. and in advertising, mm-hmm. not in narrative mm-hmm. film or TV. And the stimulus talk Obviously, made the market plummet a couple plummet. days ago. Yep. Now it's coming back up, but there's there's all kinds of craziness and confusion as to what is going to happen. He's now mm-hmm. saying he wants to sign a stimulus twelve hundred dollar choose, check right? to everyone. He wants to bail out the airlines.
1: Yeah. He wants to um, pick and choose what will help him out of you know something bigger that will help everybody. So it's just yeah. selfish yet again. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think it's a steroids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is both. talk about some sort of steroid uh, mania going on. But there was an article in Adage today oh, yes. that some fast food chains are, are doing well mm-hmm. because there is, of course, a demand for cheap food and easily delivered food. Yeah. But some aren't. And some franchises like Pizza Hut and Subway are closing locations. As many wow. as 36,000 of them may not last for even a few more months without another stimulus package. Mm-hmm. And uh, the founder of Shake Shack, he's like, we can't reemploy people for this PPP money if we're going out of business, if we're closing stores. So there's still a big problem out there and there's still a potential for another very serious economic downturn that no, no one seems to be taking seriously.
1: Right. And the thing that struck me about this article that you showed, Lawrence, was that if we do get a second round of stimulus, it works out to $11 a day for everyone. Mm, what are you going to do with your $11? <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Jeez. Um, I know. Yeah. I mean, with this lack of the additional funding in the unemployment amount and this inability to get some businesses back up and running, it's uh, it's a big problem.
1: It is. no, uh, And no... No plan in sight.
0: There is one more thing I wanted to mention, Christian, because this is, in all this doom and gloom, this is kind of a cool little thing. Okay, give it and to me And since us. I am on this show representing Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. It's something I've known about for a long time, and it's a series of photographs by Ed Ruscha, mm-hmm. who is an artist. Uh, yes, he documented all of Sunset Boulevard between 1965 and 2007 by photographs. Oh, really? He set up a car. This is before Google Earth cars. Yeah, He had two cameras on the <laughs> roof of the car to shoot both sides of the street. And he just drove from downtown to the west side and just took pictures along the way. And this was a big project. He did it over many years to document the change of Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And now Getty Research Institute launched this today. It's called 12 Sunsets Exploring Ed Ruscha's Archives. It's an interactive website that put together over 60,000 of these photos.
2: That's that so you be-
0: can, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. They, so you can drive on this website. It depends what part of Sunset mm-hmm. you're on. So they don't have it from 1965 for, through all of Sunset Boulevard, but a lot of it's there. And you can drive through and scan up through the decades to see how the buildings changed mm-hmm. and back down. And you can go left, right, and you can flip around and see the other side of the street. It's fascinating. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, but you can find it on getty.edu. Just search for 12 sunsets Ed Ruscha. It's pretty cool.
1: That sounds really cool.
0: So if you need a break from politics, if you need a (laughs) a refresh after the debate last night, that's something you can do and just get to explore Los Angeles in all its glory. Beautiful. Let's get to the interview, part two, with agency producer Karen Jean.
1: But first, please head over to our website, click on the link, and do the work. This is a page on our website that has anti-racism resources for you to educate yourself on the issues racism have long plagued our society, as well as a link to actionable things that you can do to support Black Lives Matter movement. This ties in directly with our interview today, everyone.
0: Yes, it does. So make sure you take a look at those resources on that page, as well as the Take Action page. We're going to highlight WeGotTheVote.org. We got this. Yes. In 2018, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, it was a grassroots effort to pass Amendment Mm -hmm. 4, which restored the voting rights to citizens after they've paid their debt to society for crimes they've committed. However... What the lawmakers did in that area is they tweaked the law to now say that people who have served their time now have to pay off whatever parking tickets or fines or things that they have still on their record before they're allowed to vote. Could be as little as 50 bucks. Could be as little as 50 bucks, which literally turns that back into a poll tax, Mm -hmm. which we all know was something that we got rid of decades ago. So this website, you can donate to help pay off those fines to give the voting rights back to people who have paid their debt to society.
1: This is very important, everyone. And then don't forget about power to the polls. Please, you know, volunteer. Go to your polls. Drive somebody to to vote. Yeah. Like whatever you can do safely. Use your Lyft account.
0: Yep, exactly. However you, you can, can do, help
1: somebody else Get vote,
0: people to the do polls. Do it.
1: Get them to the polls. All right. Oh, postcards for Swing Oh, yes. going to be I'm mailed deep, soon. <laughs>
0: I'm diving into them this week. I've yes. a lot to write. But uh, yes, getting those out <laughs> in time mm-hmm. to convince people in swing states to vote. All right. Karen Jean is back with us for part two. KJ, she's an agency producer who has worked in both New York and Los Angeles at a number of well-known shops and brands like BBDO, Ground Zero, and most recently, David and Goliath.
1: Here's part two of our interview with KJ as the conversation shifted towards systemic racism in our industry.
0: Let's take a listen. You know, you mentioned building the sandbox and, you know, something that we've talked about on this show a lot is about we're kind of at this moment, not only in our personal lives, but in our careers of rebuilding, right? We're getting to rewrite the rules of the playbook. An aspect we talk a lot about on the show is systemic racism. And we want to keep that conversation going because, you know, now is the moment. It's not only COVID and it's not only our careers. It's what's happening, you know, today on the streets as, you know, there are protests right now as we're speaking with regards to Breonna Taylor and to all the injustice that's been happening. And, you know, we want to have this conversation with you, but, you know, we don't want it to be two white people (laughs) asking a black woman, you know, what our problem is.
1: (laughs) I'm white, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sorry.
0: laughs> but you know, we want to know what is what. You know, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that we're facing in this industry?
2: Because we will never see that. I mean, it is, and the thing is, you're right. There is a point where you may never see it. Like the two of you may yeah. never see it. Although, if it becomes egregious enough, you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. what's yeah. happening? We, yeah. I
1: mean, we, if we're looking, yeah. we will.
2: And the mm-hmm. thing
1: but, we'll never experience it. Sorry to interrupt you well, it's not it's not
2: necessarily the exper- experiencing it. I think mm-hmm. it is the noticing of it because sometimes it is very minor. sometimes it is very slight, and then sometimes it is in your face. Brianna Taylor, that is in your face. You cannot ignore yeah. that. You know, you have someone who literally was in their house, you know, mining their business. This giant thing happens and it's like, well, something should be done and nothing's being done. And in fact, what was done was so offensive where it was just like, I'm sorry, you know, let's fire this guy because he missed, you know, like at that point, it's just like, what is happening? Like, that is crazy. When you go into our industry, I don't think there's a ton of crazy, crazy things that happen. Yes, there are. Like there are going to be people who have like stories of like ridiculous, crazy things. But I think, especially like for myself as a a black woman in the agency life, there's a lot of like little aggressions and minor issues that tend to add up to the bigger one. It's, you know, going into a meeting for the first time and having having someone like literally taken aback physically because they didn't realize that you were black because you were on the phone with them or you were talking to them for a while and then you come in person and they literally shake a little and you're just like, Oh, (laughs) okay. That, that (laughs) happens. You know, you, I've had that happen on a number of occasions where, you know, they take a second look. It's little things like an agency life where, you're walking down the hallway of an agency that you have worked at for years and years and you say hello to someone and they literally walk by you like you're not there because they don't feel like a need for an interaction at that moment. And it happens. And it's one of those where you're just like, didn't, I'm sorry, what? Or, or better yet, (laughs) you literally go, Hey, how are you? They walk by you and the person behind you who's white goes, Hey, what's up? And they respond to that. And it's like, OK, <laughs> you know, it these little minor things and it may seem frivolous, but things like you're sharing an office with someone and people come in and talk to her and go, hey, I'm going for a walk around the block. Want to come? But the invite never gets you know, right. extended to you or it gets the. they realize that I'm noticing that I haven't been invited and they're like, oh, we didn't think you'd want to be a part of it. We didn't think you'd want to go. And it's like, Wow, oh, why would that be? (laughs) I like walking. Yeah, it's like I like walking too. Sometimes I like to get out and take a walk. I I like to walk. You know, and it's like that little, you know, everyone's going to lunch except for you because you weren't invited. Like it's little minor aggressions like that where it's just like all of a sudden you're being left out or you're being singled out or people don't think you want to be a part of it because they don't want to actually ask you or they're just thinking I'm just going to ask someone else and not have you be a part of it and it happens a lot it happens a lot and that that's happened across my career to the point where it it has happened enough that I've been desensitized to it but after a while, it mm-hmm. does get annoying. I think the walking down the hallway and saying hi to someone and having them completely walk by you like you're yeah. not there, that's, yeah, that's the one that really, really gets on my nerves. <laughs> that's the one that gets on my nerves wow. the most. But it, cool. it does
1: For happen. somebody to not acknowledge yeah. you. Like the, they're not even not acknowledging
2: a- that you exist. Yeah.
0: Your very existence. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And, you know, after a while, being and being black in advertising, that's a thing that happens. And if you talk to a lot of other people who are in advertising it's one of those those aggressions that you deal with or you know there's always like the hair aggression where you know you get your hair done and people want to touch your hair and it's just like please don't do that (laughs) you know like (laughs) minor like (laughs) minor things and it seems minor to everyone else for you sometimes it's like all right that's enough like it's like when you're pregnant and people reach out to touch your stomach and it's like please don't Uh. touch me I would never, and you know, and people wouldn't straight, think yeah. of doing that, or they'll at least ask, you know. But like you're mm-hmm. just walking in, and people are just like reaching out, and I'm like, please don't touch me. <laughs> 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 this is like, oh, why God. are you doing that? But it's, you know, those are the minor aggressions. But then there's also the, in order for you to get to a specific position, you know, I've been in mm-hmm. production my entire life. It took years for me to get to the EP level you mm-hmm. have to be about five times better than the person next to you. Yes. There is no way yes. to get a, to, to, to rise above unless you literally stand out. And I mean, stand out next to the other producer. I have worked with producers in my career where I'm wow. like, how are you a producer? <laughs> like how? Right. And oh, I, yeah. I'm like, I don't yeah. really understand how, but yet, you are moving up further than I am and I am busting my butt. You know, I'm busting my butt to be like as buttoned up, you know, all the way around as possible because I can't have an excuse for anyone to go, you're not good enough. And
1: that level of perfection is just, it's so the maintaining of it and the, the stress and the anxiety that it causes is just beyond.
2: Oh, it's, I mean, I've gotten to the point it's sad i'm so used to it i'm such a workaholic but i shouldn't i shouldn't have to be um right like yeah. i'm the daughter of immigrant um parents who really put into mm-hmm. my mind your education and your work ethic is the only thing that's going to push you forward in
0: mm-hmm. life
2: you know your education is everything and you have to work hard that was those are the two yeah. things mm-hmm. two things that you need in mm-hmm.
0: My mom is an immigrant from Ecuador. Same exact thing. Same exact principles from yeah. day one. So it's, it's, that's interesting. that. Yeah. You say that. I mean,
2: yeah. I think a lot of immigrant families, and I'm, again, I'm, you know, I'm speaking from the immigrant families that I know. They're yeah. very, very education, 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 work hard, work hard, and you can do something. I think the biggest pull for America for immigrants is the fact that you can make something of yourself. Nothing holds you back unless you do. And so if you are able to apply yourself and work hard, you can get somewhere. Granted, the racism that does exist, which is a very systematic racism, is another like weight that's tied around your ankle. So it's like you're trying to run a 10-yard dash, but you've got weights on your ankles, which means that you have to work even harder to get further that's the best way to look at systematic racism. It's a system that is built not for you. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. built for you. It's built for someone else. And so if you were not one of those people that the system was built for, you have to work that much harder to get forward. And even then they will look at you and go, why are you here? So it's, one of those things that you literally have to look at it and go, There's not, a, there's no way to change the system, it actually needs to be broken down and rebuilt because everyone's just like, You have to change, and it's like, No, it's ingrained. It's a system that started off years and years and years ago, it was built by white men for white men. And if you were not a white man, you will have problems. White women. They have problems as well. Like they are oh, so many. working their way up and it's not built for them. They may have it slightly better than black men, but definitely not built for them. Now add a black woman, definitely not built for you. <laughs> <Yeah. No.
0: laughs> so it's like
2: everybody is on the ladder at different rungs trying to get up, but unless you are a white mm-hmm. man, which is who this system was built for. Mm-hmm. You're all struggling to kind of get up and you have to work so hard to get up that rung. It literally needs to be leveled. Like it, it needs to be just completely shattered and then rebuilt.
0: Do you see that happening? Do you think we're possibly there? Not even close. Not even
2: close. uh, Simply because...
0: Can we ever get there? Well,
2: you would have to take the people who were at the top of that rung that the system was built for And they would have to then look down the ladder to go, oh shit, this is not built right. We need to start over. Mm -hmm. But if the people who this system services, if they're like, no, this is totally fine for me, it's not going to work. And it doesn't matter how often people are down on the bottom trying to shake it to break it down. There are enough people on the other side of it trying to keep it up. It has to be Mm -hmm. a united front of, We all recognize that there is an issue here and we need to work towards it. The riots that are happening in the streets right now wouldn't be going on if there wasn't a force trying to keep it as is. I mean, you've got a president who's in the office who's trying to write executive orders to tell people that systemic racism doesn't exist. He's trying to teach that, you know, he's trying to trying to erase slavery. Like, let's erase all the bad stuff so that kids are going to be brought up not knowing you know, at that point, it's if you raise everybody in ignorance, then that ignorance will continue. It is important for yeah. people to understand the history of how we got here, to understand the oppression of women, to understand the oppression of races, to understand and accept the fact that awful, awful things got us to where we are now. Because understanding those awful things means that we try not to relive them. If we erase all of it, yeah. Then it all comes back later, but just in a different form. Yeah. Pretty pretty oh, quickly. Oh, yeah, too. very quickly. Yeah. And there's there's a yeah. good amount of ugliness that's going on now that basically, if you went back to the 60s, exactly what was happening then is happening now. The only difference is there's not segregation. Well, there is, mm. it's just not in your face, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's no signs, signs, but it does exist. Mm -hmm. You know, you go into neighborhoods and you already see that that segregation naturally happens when you've got real estate people who don't show black families houses in specific neighborhoods because they don't want them in those neighborhoods. It happens when you go looking for a house. It happens when you try to go to school where all of a sudden it's just like you're trying to get into a specific school, even at the elementary level. And you realize that the schools that are doing really well tend to be all white and the schools that, you know, are struggling tend to be mostly black and you're Mm -hmm. just kind of like, well, what, how is this happening? It shouldn't be happening at the elementary school level, but it is, it starts that young and it just continues on. So until something is done to shake it to its core, it exists. And it's so important for people when they notice it, when they realize what's happening to speak up, to literally say, no, we can't accept mm-hmm. this. Because the thing is, when you do not fight to change something, then you are choosing to accept it. And at that point, you have to make a decision in your life. Do You just want to choose and keep systematic racism going on by mm-hmm. doing nothing, by saying nothing, or do you want to try mm-hmm. to help shake that tree down? Do you want to help shake it to help rebuild it? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be out on the streets with a sign, you know, like, you know, protesting every single day. Mm -hmm. It could be something as simple as where you're working and if you see something, try to Mm -hmm. say something of that matter. Reach out to someone who isn't part of your group Mm -hmm. and invite them in. Work with the people who are the powers to be to say, hey, we need to hire more people in, we need to diversify within the walls. It shouldn't be a case of when I go to work, I'm the only black person there, which to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, the last position I was in, they were two people of color, two, (laughs) including (laughs) including myself. (laughs) And, you know, I'm, I'm on meetings and it's just like, you know, here are 30 people on a zoom meeting and I'm like, Oh. And I'm the only one. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I know we're minorities for a reason. However, it should be more than just one person. Like you have to be able to look around to see some sort of diversity, some sort of this company is trying. And that's Mm -hmm. where it's surprising to me. I think advertising agencies as a whole have a lot of work to do when it comes yeah. to let's make sure that we're diversifying because there's a lot of speech towards it and there's a lot of we need to support black lives matter and we need to you know advertising agencies Initiative. initiatives uh, yeah, and yeah. Posts <laughs> and,
0: you know like posts, there's like yeah. the, you
2: know the the instagram post like you know we need to first but yet when you go inside their house you're just like hey <laughs> what's, what's yeah right here?
0: What's What's happening happening? behind
2: your walls because you're, you're you're speaking a great game, but behind your walls, you need to be able to live that. And until companies are able to live that to actually bring the awareness in house, it's not going to change. We need to be able to make Mm -hmm. those changes and advertising, particularly because if you really think about it, advertising is built on segregating everyone because it's built on demographics. It's built on our target audience is wealthy white women from this age to this age. Mm -hmm. Let's just target them. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you've got an ad. And if you're targeting someone who is a wealthy person from this, you know, age to this age of this race, all of a sudden your ads are not really diversified because you're targeting a specific audience. And it's just kind of, And that's all you're going to get. get, (laughs) Rather than opening up the umbrella to make sure Mm -hmm. that you're getting, you know, a vast amount of people in. So, in its essence, advertising is a bit segregating, and that needs to change so that we're able to bring everyone in because everybody buys stuff. You know, Uh, it's not just white women who buy lipstick. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like. I don't know. I love lipstick. <laughs> like a lot of different colors. Of
1: lipstick. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe,
2: put, you, know, more,
1: you know, I
2: feel like, feel like it's almost
1: becoming gender yeah. neutral. right yeah. now. So. You know,
2: it's just yeah. one of those things where it's just like, why not open it up to actually get more customers in as opposed to just doing your target, your specific targets and stuff. Yeah. And as you begin to do that, representation
1: is huge because then it just, Normalizes yeah. it in a way that you know
2: anybody exactly. can buy lipstick.
0: There's a lot of little gay boys out there that are trying to figure out what shades exactly. for them.
2: And you know what? There's a lot of really <laughs> nice shades. <laughs> there's like, a yeah, pretty there's there's shades. shades. Like I want to try some different colors. Like come on, you know, it's just it's one of those where I don't know. A lot of work needs to be done, and I think right now what's going on is awareness, and I think that's the first step. Because the things that are being called to light right now, the reason why people are protesting, it's not new. It's not like all of a sudden police brutality against Black people just started. No, it's been going on for a really long time. The only difference is that people have cameras right now. More people have cameras, Mm -hmm. so now more people are seeing it. And before it used to be, you know, like when I was young and I was learning how to drive, My dad taught me exactly what to do when I got pulled over. I honestly thought this Mm. is exactly what everybody had to do when they got pulled over. He's just like, if you ever get pulled over, Mm. make sure you turn your car off. Make sure you put the keys on top of the dashboard. Already have your license and registration pulled out before the officer shows up and Mm. put your hands on the steering wheel so that he can always see your hands and I'm like, oh, that's the drill. Everybody does that. This is what you do. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 that's not That's not what everybody does. And I remember being pulled over one day and I had a, a white friend in the car with me. And I literally went through the whole procedure. I'm like, oh, let me get my stuff. Let me <laughs> turn the car off. The key's up here. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> officer. And I'm literally handing him my stuff before he even asked for it. Like, you know, hands are here. And my friends yeah. like what are you doing?
0: Yeah.
2: And I was just like that's what you do when you get pulled over. And he's just, she's like no. It's not. And I'm just like what do you mean? And I'm wild. like no. And she's just like no, you don't even know why he's pulling you over. And I'm like I don't know, but here's my license and registration. He he sees my hands. This is what my dad taught me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this is what you yeah. do so you don't get killed. And I didn't know this, yeah. like, you know, I'm like 16, like learning how to drive 16, 17. Now I'm like, mm. I'm just learning how to drive. This is, this is what you do. And it was a surprise to me when I found out that no, it's no, it's just like what you do because you're a female. This is what you do to prevent mm-hmm. anything from escalating yeah. or from anything happening. And my naive self just thought it was just the regular drill, but he was doing as a father the right thing in teaching me how to make sure that I abide so that nothing happens. And that's one of those moments where you go, Oh, well that sucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) know, that realization is like really deep founded, but it's been existing for years and years. And, you know, it's only just now being brought to light. And so what I'm hoping is that Mm -hmm. this awareness, like, people getting upset over Brianna mm. you know people getting upset over Joy Floyd yes please get upset get upset yes you yeah. have to be mad yeah. you have to be as white friends as white allies you have to be outraged you have to go yeah this is fucked up when does this stop and mm-hmm. at that point when you are outraged that's when things will start to change because us being outraged we've been outraged for years decades and oh, yeah. no one listened or they're just like oh it's just in your head oh that didn't really happen but it's just like no now you're seeing it and now hopefully with more awareness we can shake the tree and try to break it down so we can rebuild it yeah yeah um.
0: KJ, thank you so much. It was lovely chatting with you, and it was oh, lovely working much. with you, and I hope our paths cross again. Well. Please thank stay you, in Lord. touch.
2: Thank you, Christian.
1: Wow. I mean, great interview.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that she has experienced as a Black woman in advertising that obviously we are have the privilege to not have happen to us. And it's uh, eye-opening to hear about that and hear about her experience and how we need to take the leads Mm -hmm. to correct these problems because this is a this is a white person problem
1: yeah if we're not doing something about it then we're only adding to the problem
0: exactly so thank you karen jean for joining us today we appreciate your time and and sharing all that with us
1: thank you so, Lawrence, this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey.
0: Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels.
1: And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and stay active. Make your voice heard. Vote. By voting.
1: Yeah, just go and vote. Yes. But be- Before you do, wash your hands. Yeah. Stop touching your face. Clean your phone, it's disgusting. And wear a mask because it keeps, you know, keeps popping up. But guess what? The one thing that's keeping you safe is wearing a mask.
0: Send your voice recordings or emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com.
1: Lawrence, how can people reach you directly?
0: Voiceoflawrence.com for voiceover work or lawrencetlewis.com for producing. How about you, Christian?
1: People can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.